Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, uh, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg. Um, I always want to say your middle name and I feel bad because I've asked you like three times and you told me and then I forgot. Was it Keith? Cornelius. No, it wasn't. Was it? It's is John. It, is it? It's not John. It's John. Is it? How yes. do, why do I keep forgetting? Michael, John. I mean, I know Wade Robert, but whatever. Is that um, after a family member, John? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm with the I my assume so, anyway. dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Michael John Berg. Um, and without Jason, who is, is he in Germany now, do we know? or I don't know. At some point, he's going to, he's, they're moving out of one house into another. They're going to Germany. They're going to Minnesota. A kid's graduating. I assume at some point he's getting a manhole cover. Um, he's having a summer. He is having a summer. And mm-hmm. we are holding down the fort. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here at the school. Um, we're working in our offices. And it'll be nice when he's full-time. Yeah, it will. And uh, and now we're recording, and we're happy to be recording. This is, I saw, um, and why does my computer does not automatically join the Wi-Fi this is a first world problem. Yep. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there now. I got the Wi-Fi. This is I want to give you the exact dates, but the 1517 Podcasting Network. It's like an anniversary celebration. So let me scroll down. I'm at 1517 on on Facebook, and it says this week we're celebrating the 1517 Podcast Network. Join us as we recognize our network shows and hosts. That's us, Michael. Mm. That is us. As well as their thousands of listeners daily. And thousands is a little low for us, probably. Yeah. But um, I, they must not be counting Albania. <laughs> um, and weekly listeners. Learn more and, and join us in our celebration here. You can go to 1517.org. This kind of slash. Is that forward slash? Or is it back? The bottom is to the left of the top. I always get them mixed up. Mm-hmm. So... The normal it looks one. like a building that's nor- falling to the right. The normal one. Yeah. Slash celebrate. And you can find out about that. That's May 30th through June 3rd. Um, you can go to 1517.org. There's a lot to check out there. Blog articles. Michael needs to write one. You haven't yeah, read one in a while. No. I've had a number, but I, I've slowed down. I need to pick up my speed again. Um, you can go to the publishing house. <clears throat> we have books there, Michael has an academy course that you can do. Check out 1517.org. Uh, you're looking like you, you have a look on your face, Michael, like you're wondering what I was doing before I came to the college today. Is that? No, but that, proceed. Just, I'm trying to do a segment. Uh, yeah, I was wondering. You wouldn't tell me. so. Uh, yeah, so um, I have been uh, trying to go, as I think we have mentioned on a previous episode, to a number of churches uh, this summer in Milwaukee and kind of check out, especially the older churches. Beautiful Um, architecture. Yeah, and just different histories. You know, you've got Croatian congregations, Polish congregations, German congregations, Um, many of them that are now um, a very different demographic. Uh, And so today, rode my bike uh, downtown, which, by the way, I believe, Michael, I've, I've formally invited you to, to join the Trinity bike gang, yes? Trinity dash Yeah, I don't e. own a bike. Yeah, and I just I assumed you were going to to buy one since I did invite <laughs> you into that gang. Yeah. That's probably not happening. It's it's uh, probably not going to happen. You'll still wear, like, the jacket, though, if I get... 
Yeah. I don't want to do jackets. I want to do sweater vests. Leather? Uh, no. Just like, um, you know that, like, the knit stuff, but it's got, like, the l- fabric designs that go. Okay. So, and then just a little patch. Like, an Episcopal, I'm looking for, like, an Episcopalian vibe. Gotcha. Um, but uh, went to Mass at uh, Old St. Mary's, um, which is, a, I'm assuming, down by Grace, because it was on Broadway. Um, Broadway and uh, Kilbourne, and, uh, between Kilbourne and Wells, W-E. L-L-S, not the orthodox <coughs> W-E-L-S. <laughs> and so it, I'd say it was, a, uh, so far as masses go, it was a nice Novus Ordo um, weekday mass. Um, and uh, um, definitely a little bit of a different feel from some of the south side churches inside. Beautiful, um, but just different layout, different vibes. And I've been talking with Michael, and we've even talked about going to the... Uh, the Orthodox Church that um, Frank Lloyd Wright Frank designed. Lloyd Wright designed, and uh, and so we've been talking about this. And the other day, Michael, um, you brought up to me about you know it being a good reminder uh, of the importance of the stuff that surrounds the sermon, um, whether that be the building, the arrangement of the service, um, because that really does teach and preach. And sometimes the sermon or the homily, depending on where you're at is not so good. You know what I've noticed about some of these um, Roman Catholic homilies, um, which it is nice. I I really would recommend the, um, the uh, oh, what's this called? I, I use the app, so before I, if I'm going to a mass, I can know what the readings are. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. If you go for their um, daily readings, they have the daily readings for the daily mass, and it's not a bad way to get a little bit of scripture every day. And it, um, it kind of um, lectio divina. It kind of continues on, um, and so it's been going through Acts and then John, um, or John's Gospel, Jesus High Priestly Prayer. Not it's um, New American Bible. That's the translation they use in um, Roman Catholic uh, um, liturgical services and rites. They don't, there's no, I don't think there's like an official translation in English, of, but it is the official one for liturgical things. Um, but even if you find those references and then you use them in the Bible of your choice, not a bad resource. But anyways, um, the um, the liturgy and the architecture and and um, the music, right? This uh, this is going to carry a lot of the load, especially when sometimes the homily, the sermon's not so great. And as, as I was saying, what I've noticed with some of these homilies is um, a lot of them like to end with, like, questions. <laughs> you know, like, um, so, like, today, um, which it wasn't a bad homily on the whole, um, but uh, I was talking about, I hope they can't hear this lawnmower in the, <laughs> I don't know if this guy's, like, just mowing the one strip right under us back and <laughs> forth, but. Um, we apologize for the mower. Yeah. I've, I'm glad he's carrying out his vocation. I'm assuming it's a he. It might be a she, but, um, but um, the, he, you know, kind of be like, oh, we see with Paul with the elders in Ephesus when they meet and they weep for him. You know that the church is this loving family, and um, and then like it ends with something like I think he said, are we reflecting that in our life? Question mark, and then they go and they like sit for a minute like of silence, and then of course like whenever there's those questions, my answer is always like no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> right. I'm honest. Right. So then I just kind of sit. 
sit with the law. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll try harder at that, I guess. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's still going to be no next time. Yeah. But anyways, um, you know, when they – I think um, Milwaukee is a, a nice city um, for this because a lot of the churches, the Lutheran churches, the Episcopal churches, the Catholic churches, the Methodist churches, the Presbyterian – were built by these groups that came over, these immigrant groups, um, while uh, this part of their identity was very fresh. And so the churches very much reflect um, these older churches, their confessional identity, um, their piety, what they thought was important, worth emphasizing, um, what they saw as the key elements of um, the worship service, um, so their liturgical orientations, um, what would you say is probably the most, when it comes to liturgical orientations, the most non-binary denomination? Yes. Non-binary <laughs> denomination. For their liturgical orientation, right? Orientation made me think of that. The Protestants? Of Protestants, yeah. It's orientation month. Didn't you know that, Michael? It's what? Orientation month. Oh, I didn't know. They were painting the sidewalks down in Milwaukee. Oh, I didn't know. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to get culture worry, but yeah. So if you like, had, like I, that, you know, be uh, Episcopalians. You think so? Yeah, I think uh, they're pretty Catholic. Yeah. On the, I think they're on that side of the spectrum pretty yeah. clearly. I don't know what you're after. I kind of think maybe Presbyterians. Okay. Because <laughs> they're not quite like Baptist, non-denominational, but they're not like Episcopal, Lutheran. You know. Okay, that didn't go over well, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> The going in preaches something, and then the service does. And so am I capturing well what you were trying to get at with this? Michael? I think what we're after is the discussion that came from you doing all this is to say um, there is, I, I, for lack of it, this is going to sound snooty, but there is and has been for a long time, uh, let's say, people of a certain intellectual stratosphere i'm trying to make it sound really snooty well-educated people um who will move from a protestant or lutheran upbringing and be attracted to either an eastern orthodox congregation or even go back to roman catholicism and it's an interesting question right and we started to speculate a little bit on why that was. And a part of it has to do with the worship, although that's not the, the only thing. And so we're going to sort of explore that and why I think it matters that we do things well when it comes to art, worship, but also, I don't know what the right phrase for this, but uh, intellectual work as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about big, big things and, and writing about big things instead of being sort of simplistic on purpose kind of thing. So that's where I was hoping that this discussion would go and, and we'll have some complaints and some theories and stuff like that. And, and, and let's say, as we complain, I'm going to preface everything, even before you read the disclaimer, um, there's probably none of these things we're going to hit on that we're not guilty of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, that we're, this is not meant to be um, 
as if uh, we are shining examples of any sure. of this. All right, Mike, would you please read our disclaimer? This fits well. The show doesn't speak for our churches or church bodies or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our free-for-all, and the free-for-all right now sort of actually fits well with our topic, and that is if you were to start a church from scratch, so they're sending you out to plant a mission, as we would say today, and you actually could get away with this by naming the church what you want, which saint would you name it after? And maybe we could expand it. Maybe you could pick a saint, but then also if you had a different name for a Lutheran congregation, what would it be? And... Just to clarify, are you restricting me to biblical saints nope. like we often do, like nope. in the Lutheran Church? Nope. I am not. And I am going to have this. This we're assuming we're starting a mission church, mm-hmm. and um, my core is going to be supportive of this idea. It's not going to be like divisive. No. Like I'm being, I'm not being unevangelical on this. Right. Okay. So, um, first of all, we should uh, just maybe a few preliminary things. Like you, the names of churches you can actually just like architecture, you can kind of uh, pinpoint um, uh, what era it was constructed or named. So, if it's like, um, if you're going to say Our Lady, Our Lady of, and you're going to finish that title with something in nature or in the neighborhood. Yeah. Or if the Lutheran side would be shepherd of the. Yeah. Like if it were like our lady, I'd be like, Oh, like 12th to 14th century. But once you put like our lady of, and then it turns to a non-denominational church, like our lady of the bridge, our lady of Valley, the cul-de-sac, our lady of, you know, the um, river, the Rockies. Then it's 1970s or yeah. 78 and 90, like abiding this. Mm-hmm. Would also be something like that. So, you know, like uh, Shepherd of the Hills, Shepherd of the Cul-de-sac, Shepherd of the Freeways, all that kind of stuff. You know what? You know what? If I not too many. If I were starting a okay, let's say that I'm like a member of a large, very um, progressive, liberal Lutheran denomination. We won't we won't name any, mm-hmm. but that also like I'm one of them that really fancies me like an an. A um, evangelical Catholic, like mm-hmm. I'm the, I would be um, Our Lady of Perpetual Virtue Signaling. <laughs> yes, uh, the, uh, you wouldn't think you, of all the felt banners you could have because we would be a felt banner church. That's right. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, the saints thing is not, you know, they don't really do that much anymore. But it is actually important, right? Connection to history, connection to the 
reality, same reason why we, I think, should maintain saints' days and commemorations and stuff. Uh, we see that God uh, uses uses sinners because that's all He's got to got to got to use. So anyway, um, I'm going to go first. Okay. Um, I always wanted to start uh, the first the first uh, evangelical Catholic Church of Saint John the Baptist. You would have evangelical Catholic. Yeah. I'm trying oh, to, I see. Because Baptist too. Yeah. yeah I'm going to try. To, I you know I do appreciate it now. Yeah, I was confused. I'm going to try first. to. I'm going to try to. I thought you were building off my joke. No, I'm going to try to. Uh, you know. Capture everyone. Capture all of those all of those words and redeem them. That may be a little bit too much. I'm guessing that the missiologist would say that would be not that would be very hard to brand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, my theme would be, you know, like under the church, you have your theme, like your vision statement. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, um, come die with us. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm probably working maybe, a, this is maybe a little uh, passive aggressive against the uh, 1990s church that we kind of, era that we kind of grew up in. I think that's good. Okay, what saint you got or any other name? Huh? I got a second name. Okay. You go. I got a second name. I'm going to tell you about this. There is, there is a church, I believe. This is, my, this is not my first choice, but this is. No, no I okay. like the Latin words. This, um, this saint in her hagiography is described as being a, a real looker who steadfastly refused to renounce Christianity. So she was handed over to a vicious lesbian called Rufina, who first tried to seduce her and then tried to force her into becoming a, a harlot. Um, but Bibiana held firm, um, and she was martyred. <laughs> now, you've taken a little Latin, Michael. Mm. St. Bibiana. Do you want to guess what, uh, what she's the patron saint of? Say it again. St. Bibiana. Bibiana. Now, I'll, maybe I'll elaborate a little bit on where I'm thinking of opening this okay. church. <clears throat> I'm thinking like, like a water street in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like a downtown West Dallas, mm-hmm. a bar district. Yeah. And I'm going to offer services at 2 a.m. and at 2 p.m. Yeah. Um, and and our, um, our vision statement is going to be sober up, y'all. Yeah. Do you know what St. Like Bibiana is the patron saint of? Inviting. Of hangovers. <laughs> because Bibiana sounds like the Latin for... For drink. Drink, yeah. Um, <coughs> Is that a good one? That was a good one. Um, I do like the Latin names, like St. Lucas, St. Mm-hmm. Marcus. And I could add St. Bibiana of something, yeah. like St. Bibiana, depending on the location. Sure, absolutely. There's a, there's always a good of something. Like, mm-hmm. um, I like the Latin, so and I like uh, either Martin Luther or Martin of Tours, St. Martini. There are a couple St. Martinis yeah. hanging around. There's a lot of good... Uh, that was a good one. A lot of traditions with those. Um, yeah. I think we 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 underuse uh, some of the females. Like, there could be a good St. Elizabeth's. There's St. Elizabeth's Hospitals. Elizabeth has a connection to Germany and the Vardberg. Um, there was a St. Clotilda. Nice. The mother of Alcuin of York, I believe. Down in uh, in Minnesota. Oh, Venerable Bede would be uh, a great yep, church. Yep, Saint Venerable. Mm. 
be you. That would be a good one. Yeah. Do I know my real one? Yeah. It'd be St. Joseph's. Yeah. I think uh, um, we do have some Lutheran St. Mary's. I mean, the you go to Wittenberg, and that's St. Mary's. Right. I um, think Dresden, isn't it, that Our Lady? The Frauenkirche, yeah. yeah. The, um, but uh, <laughs> I was just reading. My man Joseph, like, think of a, a, um, a, f- a figure in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And this, is he in our church calendar? Yeah. He I should be. should be. I mean, talk about uh, so. for a Father's Day, yeah. rather than doing some corny and poor mm-hmm. text, um, mm-hmm. right? He's gonna he's gonna step up and be a, a true father. Um, and Carpenter he, Square, I believe, is his is symbol. He is the head of household of the household that within it has yeah. God. Right? He is gonna be responsible for protecting and there's a lot of sermons. There's a lot of good vocational yeah. sermons there. Um, and like a good father. As the scriptures go on, he just kind of disappears. Yep. Like we, he probably died at some point before the passion. Yeah. But we're dude, dude just served. Yep. Our kids are getting to that age where we are pretty much invisible. Yeah. And that's just okay. And that's kind of yep. So that would be my honest would yeah. be would be Saint Joe's. Um. You like that one or is that yeah one? I do. Um. I had one now I forgot. Um. I think, you know, there's some, like, there's some good ladies, right? And the idea of church, Mother Kirk, I mean, that's, uh, oh, that's yeah. it's not it's not a bad concept. I, I think we get, it's one of those How things. How about St. Elizabeth's? Yep, St. Elizabeth's, St. Monica, Mother. Mm-hmm. Although she's she's flawed. They all are flawed, but St. Monica for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just... Uh, um, reading about uh, um, a liturgy, a ref- early Reformation liturgy, and uh, was in 1524 already, an evangelical liturgy that was performed at Our Lady in Strasbourg, which is a, at one time was a, was a cathedral that was under the, that was Lutheran for a while, right? <coughs> so there are some, some, some of those names that are out there. I like St. Jacoby, like, kind of sounds cool, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So I, you know, if I had to pick a non-saint, I think I'd go with Redeemer or Holy Cross. Yeah, I've always liked Pax Domini. Yeah. As Pax Domini Lutheran Church. Yeah. I was served at uh, uh, Divine Charity. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. What about Holy Incarnation? Yeah. That'd be a good one, too. I think you could do a lot. Yeah. If you open it up to that, you could yeah. you could really do a lot. I think we could be more creative. Mm-hmm. Is is my would be my Saint Augustine's would be one I would yep. think about. Yep. And then I think if I had to pick uh, maybe another one that was biblical saints, uh, who's the two that's together that we don't know much about? Jude and the Simon. two apostles. Jude and Simon. Is that it? Yeah, it would maybe do. Yeah, they share a day. I was like preaching that day because we don't really know much about them, yeah. but. But they were a pot. I like that emphasis on the yeah. Christian life of like, yeah. you know. Don't see a whole lot of St. Thomas. That that gets a little confusing in the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. Church because could be some other Thomases out yep. there. Um, St. Philip's. I attend St. Philip's. That's specific because that's an African-American church, St. Philip's. Oh. And the Ethiopian but eunuch. That's good very. good Lutheranism as well. There's the very meaningful for that congregation. St. Nicholas would be a good one, yep, too. Nicholas Lots of Luther Nicholases, St. Nicholas. Yeah. St. Arius. No, wait a minute. He's not ours. Arius is not ours? No. Um, Are we Athanasian or What about St. Yadier? 
Saint Yadier. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is he named after a saint? Is that a Yadier Molina? Yeah. No, but there is Molina is a town in Spain where there was a priest who came up with the concept of middle knowledge. This was in the huh. Reformation era. And I don't know if it was Jose, something de Molina. And oh, you're talking about like Molinus or whatever you call no, it. No, this is different. Well, yeah, I mean, like the middle knowledge between like determinism and yeah, free will. Yeah, um, the uh, um, Balthazar talks about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah, I'm assuming that's the you know, same a, thing. If we were going to do a pope, Gregory the Great yep. or Leo the Great would be good ones yep. too. Yep. yep. Linus. Yeah. Nobody I wonder if there's a St. Linus church. There's probably one somewhere. My aunt went to St. Linus when I was growing up. Oh, very good. Yeah. I think that's one of the many that have closed in the Archdiocese okay. of Detroit now. Well, since nobody's going to send us out to uh, plant a church. You never know. You know what? If no one's going to send us, Michael, <laughs> we'll just you start know what one. we might just do? Yeah, just start one. Amen? That's right. Because we're doers. Yep, that's right. We just There's do. a box. Boom. And everybody's <laughs> thinking in this box, Michael. <laughs> We're thinking outside. We're think of outside of it. That's right. All right. Well, that was fun, at least for us. Yeah. All right. So, what was your number one choice again? Saint Martini. Saint Martini of the Hills. And then I'll be Saint Joseph. I feel like yeah. I should have an of the something. Yeah. Well, it depends where you are. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like Saint How about Joseph. Saint of, Joseph of the flight to Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Or is that or not Saint, a good one? I would say Saint Joseph of Urban Blythe or Saint Joseph of the Pasture. I named all my kids Carmelite names because I was reading um. Uh, the St. Therese of Lisieux kept coming up, um, Little Flower, so I read her her little, um, uh, whatever it's called, and um, she talks about the names these Carmelite nuns would game. so I've renamed all my kids <laughs> with um, the uh, Nicholas is uh, Brother Nicholas of the Toddler Jesus, mm. Sophie is uh, Sister Sophie of the Visitation, I think that's a good one. Magdalene is, is uh, Sister Maggie of the Ascension, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Anna is, or did I say Anna already? No. Oh, Anna, she gets a good one. Anna is, um, sister Anna of the presentation of our Lord. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what I gave Ziggy, but I am, I am brother Wade of the flight to Egypt. What's, uh, Trisha? Um, she is mother Trisha of, um, oh, what was it? She had a good one. Something to do with having babies. I was going to say per, perpetual patience. Oh, it was something with, with Mary. But they got really tired of me calling them by those by those names. It would be good. We we didn't go down this road, but Holy Wisdom. I'm thinking about Sophia. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That would be kind of a cool one, too. We could get on the sides icons of both our Sophies, too. I bet they would like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Sacred Heart? torn on that one because you're like that's catholic but then you're like i'm not quite sure why it's mm-hmm. distinctively roman catholic they're the one sacred heart medi- there's one sacred heart meditation that's pretty darn good too right. some of them get a little eh, right but there's one that's not bad yeah. but there's mean, also sacred heart of mary so you got to be specific right. that's right but because is, i'm not is, I'm not jesus, down heart, sacred is heart. jesus heart not sacred it of course is and Bernard of Clairvaux and his beautiful poetry brought into mm-hmm. our hymnody mm-hmm. by by um, Gerhardt, mm-hmm. Paul Gerhardt. Oh, S- Sacred Head Not Wounded. I agree. I believe had a verse. And he of, talks about different, yep. you know, so. so. That's not a bad one. Anyway, that was fun for us. 
It was. We'll get back to. I our, would like to note we are now twenty-seven minutes right. in, and I think so far we have had a lot of fun for us. That's right. <laughs> um, I will have timestamps on this. Yeah. And with that, we'll make our way to the main topic. All right, back for our main topic. And as we said before, Wade has been uh, taking some time to go to uh, different um, church services around uh, Milwaukee area. Uh, Large Catholic population, not just because of Germans and Poles who came uh, here and settled this area, but also a huge Hispanic population. We have Greek Orthodox, we have Coptic Orthodox. And there actually is, I mean, if, if you're listening from the West Coast, um, our city looks different. It is dotted by church steeples, and and certainly these are not the the grandiose uh, pieces of architecture from the 12th century in France or in Germany or in Italy. Um, but there's a lot of unique historical places here. And while you were doing this, we were talking about the different churches and the different masses, and uh, you know there is the uh, Tridentine rite, uh, like a Latin mass, but the, uh, a new order, the Novus and that, Ordo. So the Tridentine yeah. in Milwaukee, if you're looking to go see one, and honestly, like, when you go to the Tridentine mass, like, you don't understand anything. And the yeah. people there, like, the priest is, like, whispering. He's all like, So you don't even really hear him, and people are all, no, I am not making fun of. Mm-hmm. Um, Tridentine, you know, TLM groupies. But they're all very busy, like, kneeling and mm. signing up, getting it again. And making clear that they know, like, what's happening. It's kind of like when you go to, like, an indie band show <laughs> with a friend who's, like, really knows all their songs. Yeah. But if you sit in the back, no one's going to notice you. Yeah. And, and you don't have to, like, kneel for anything you don't want to kneel for, yeah. like, for the host or whatever. But, um... Worth seeing, that would be St. Stan's in Milwaukee, and that would be the Mass. It wouldn't be exactly what Luther would have celebrated before becoming the Reformer, but it would have been very close because Trent took the various Masses, so to speak, and made them uniform. Um, So that would be that. Novus Ordo, because there is a Latin Novus Ordo, is what came out in the 20th century, um, it often includes the vernacular, but doesn't have to. And really, I, I hate to break this to Lutherans who don't want to be Catholic. It's kind of a lot like what we do on yeah. a Sunday, except without the canon of the Mass. Yeah. Um, sorry, but go ahead. And we, there's a shared heritage there. And you've reported back about, like, oh, these there's there's a bunch of old ladies with uh, head coverings still. and it, It's been a good cultural experience for you, and, and you said that you've enjoyed it. And we started talking about how it really matters, right? This stuff, this stuff matters. And we were being a little pessimistic or I was being extremely pessimistic. Which uh, is unlike you. Let's just, let's just, I think you would agree that preaching today is subpar. And I'm talking about preaching in general. Mm-hmm. In Christian. All denominations. 
And that includes our denomination, where there are many times when you leave um, the church service and either one or two things happens. Either you didn't get the gospel or the gospel was something that was preached around or preached about, but not preached. It may have been taken away with law at the end. Don't we do this? Are we really doing this? As you said right. in our introduction. But or when we do it, it's okay because it's the third use. Yeah. Or, or it's just so shallow, even if the gospel is pronounced in a certain sense and the, the spirit does his work, that, you know, that didn't really matter. Right. Very much like this, you had a chance to speak to a group of people and it seems very clearly that you did not put a lot of thought into this and you never asked the question, do, does what I am about to say actually matter? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a general accepted idea that our preaching in general, all of Christendom is either political, law driven, fairly shallow. Or can I add uh, sure. repetitive um, in that a, a I won't say a complaint, but an observation I have is sometimes you preach the right thing. Mm-hmm. You did preach law and gospel, but it's this, the same sermon every week. I remember once um, when Sunday school was before church at Christ when I was serving there and we couldn't find Nick. And so finally, Trisha found him in the parsonage watching cartoons, and he said, I'm not going to church because it's always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought that was good. That meant mm-hmm. I was preaching Jesus. But on the flip side, sometimes rather than Jesus, 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 it's God's great exchange, God's great exchange, yeah. God's great exchange. And that's not to say God's great exchange isn't nice and that it's not an illustration of what God has done in Christ, but it's less than Jesus every week. Mm-hmm. In his fullness, the whole counsel of God, <coughs> if it's just that formulaic. Um, some of us learned formulas in seminary that were helpful for getting us started as preachers, yep. but they were never intended to be never a 50-year formula. And we will reiterate, we are guilty of this. We are preaching yes. to ourselves. And so let's just put a number on it. Let's just say all of the Christians on any given Sunday are going to church and the percentage of people who are going to hear some sort of political statement, either left or right. Uh, just a hammering of the world's going to hell in a handbasket, except you, you're good people mm-hmm. um, are going to get some trite stories that mean nothing or you're not going to get the gospel or the gospel will be flat, or the gospel will be taken away with law in the end. Like the gospel is prerequisite for your life. Mm-hmm. Or one more category, maybe just sort of a shallow. The gospel is a step towards what really matters. Sort of a, sh- or, or sort of a shallow kind of self-help's not the right word, but here's some positive vibes as you go to your week. Let's just put a percentage on it, arguably 95%, and I think I'm being generous, of the sermons on any given Sunday, the totality of Christianity in America is going to fall in one of those categories. I was going to say 90, but I won't disagree. 
if you're going to church and you know that there's a really good chance that the sermon is going to not be great, you can understand why the church pews would be empty. And your only recourse is to entertain. This is a bad business model because you're asking the church to do something it's not very good at. You're asking the church to do something that's the opposite of worship. It's not performative. You are not a passive observer in this. You're coming into the presence of God. You're also asking a, let's say, averagely talented person, the pastor, to come up with something fresh every week that not even the entertainment issue uh, industry can do and does, right. even with a There's stream. There's a reason episodes of don't go fifty-two weeks a year. So then you could understand that a Christian, a thoughtful Christian who understands, it doesn't want to leave the faith. It's not so shallow to say, "I'm not being entertained. I'm not getting anything out of it. Therefore, I will just not be a, a practicing Christian." You could understand why those people would be attracted to ancient liturgy. And in fact, already in the late 90s within the Protestant church, you did have the ancient, uh, ancient liturgy sort of movement where you get people that are, that are really cool, you know, this vibe of like all sorts of candles and mm -hmm. ancient future worship is what it was called. You understand why it was said, I don't know how true this is, but it was said that so many of the founding lights of the campus crusade for christ went eastern orthodox you understand why some intellectuals that we know um have moved back to to roman catholicism knowing full well that the doctrine that is officially espoused by the church of of the pope is wrong but if you are going to go to a um church service of your denomination of your childhood or of your young adulthood and you're not getting a good liturgy and you're not getting a good sermon then what would be the point at all at least if you're going to get this liturgy and the transcendence that comes with it at least you got something mm -hmm. and even if you know Something that you know is going to be substantive, too. Even if you know that the sermon you're going to have to sort of ignore. Now, with that said, before anybody gets all cranky, I'm all for denominational loyalty. I believe we're probably entering a post-denomination world. I've always said of you, this is a denominationally loyal guy. Got to be Bird. a good churchman. Don't yep. quit all the time. Yep. If you're looking for a perfect church, yeah, okay. Good luck with that. Wait. I did quit a church. Should I unquit? <laughs> um, Seriously, tell me what to do. Mike. Yeah, I'll get there in a second. Okay, because they they're sending me to hell. Yeah, I'll get there in a wrong. second. I will absolve you in a second. Okay. Okay. Just have to wait. It's kind of like when you confess your sins and I make just you do it before I die. And I make <sighs> you sing the Kyrie eleison. Okay, I respect before it. the absolution. What happens if a man in the church, after he has confessed his sins? then is forced to sing for his, his forgiveness of sins, has a heart attack, 
during the tripart curie. <laughs> you ever thought about that? This is some casuistry. I would like to believe that um, God knows the intentions of that man's heart, and um, he has made confession, and uh, liturgically, this is the power of liturgy, he already in his heart knows what is coming is anticipating okay. it so he all he's missing is is the pastor's face on that absolution okay. is that good casuistry it's okay fine he goes to hell <laughs> all right <clears throat> so um i'm all for denominational loyalty church shopping i think is an extremely american thing and not not one of our best qualities at the same time if you're not getting the truth, then you should stand up, right? And if that means leaving, that means leaving in our context, right? But remember the Lutheran kind of way. We want to reform. They didn't, we didn't leave. They kicked us out kind of thing. Um, at the same time... We didn't land on Lutheran rock. <laughs> Lutheran rock landed on us. Be careful. All right. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, yeah, that contact. I forgot that. That's Malcolm. Is that Malcolm X? I don't know. I was thinking that was something different. Anyway, I apologize if I... <laughs> if you offended anybody. Um, Mike should have stopped me. To be now, fair. in the modern world, where we're very rational, black and white, truth and falsity, which there's a lot of good to that, um, we tend to look at a denomination and say, that denomination's official teaching is correct, therefore we're good with them, we are in fellowship with them. But sometimes the practice is going to matter as much, if not even more, than the doctrine. What I mean by that is this, that you could have everything right on the website, but if you don't preach the gospel every week, what are you doing, right? So I don't think it's out of the realm of good pastoral care to say, not only should you find a church let's say a member is moving away or in our context, our college kids are graduating and maybe they're not of our denomination and they're saying, what church should I join? They would say, not only do you find one that is going to, to, to confess the truth, but actually is going to preach the truth. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get a gospel preacher, that's a problem. Now, it should never be this way, but if I had to choose between somebody who had on their website all the right doctrines, but didn't preach the gospel, and a denomination that preached the gospel but messed up some doctrines, I don't know about you, but I am probably feel more comfortable with the one that preaches the gospel, right? So, there is a lot of people who are going to say, at least I'm going to get the supper, at least I'm going to get... Um, the liturgy that is going to tell the story of law and gospel, at least I'm going to have a sense of holiness and transcendence and not just this trite stuff that just makes Christianity seem so pathetic and so um, not relevant. Ironically, the people, the churches that are claimed to be so relevant tend to be pretty shallow. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but some of them. So you can understand, and this, I, I think this is, this is kind of an important, an important warning for us that <clears throat> you should do whatever kind of liturgy you're going to follow, that you should do it with thoughtfulness, with meaning, that you should do it well, that you'd ask questions about it. 
do I have a sense of coming into the presence of God? Am I going to have specific law and gospel? Does this, um, does this elevate rather than dumb down, right? And uh, to see it more as a, uh, a preaching to, a feeding of, rather than a didactic thing where I'm going to tell you um, things and there's going to be a quiz later kind of, kind of thing. A university hall lecture or a self-help seminar, right? And, and there is a subtle movement that has happened in, again, this is going to sound snooty, but of people who are highly educated and some who are not, who just like, let me, let me do the highly educated people first, who are going to say, I know that I, I have problems with this denomination, but at least there I'm getting something that's mm-hmm. classic, that's solid, that kind of stuff. For those who are maybe not overly educated like us, often their phrase is like, at least I go there and I felt like I went to church. Exactly. Right? That is a, maybe a uh, less articulate way of saying the same thing. So I think you've had that experience with people. Yep. And oh, you're sure. having that experience. Well, no, and I'll be yep. perfectly honest too. Um, there's sometimes you go and, and maybe it's not our denomination, whether it be, um, or it might be our denomination, but not our, um, well, our confession, but not our denomination, yep. meaning you go to a, another synod's church, um, or you go to mass, or you, and there's times that while you may not agree with everything, um, you know you went to church, whereas there's sometimes you go places of your own fellowship, <coughs> and you know you know you went to church, but you don't feel like you you went to church. Uh, the only way you, you know you went to church is you have a bulletin in your hand and there was mm-hmm. a sign in the front yard. Then maybe I can. Um, and by the way. When, we, when we're talking about other denominations, instead of our first reaction being, boo, they don't have this or that, and criticizing, which we are guilty of, like, as theologians, pick, uh, uh, picking at this, that, or the other thing, don't you know this history or whatever. But we should rejoice in this. We should rejoice when the gospel is preached mm-hmm. in the Presbyterian oh, Church. So. We should rejoice that the Roman Catholic Church has maintained the Kyria, the Gloria, the Outside Lord's of the prayer. canon of the Mass, like I think a lot of <laughs> Lutherans who haven't really ever been to a Mass think, oh, you go to Mass and it's all like Mary and the Saints. There's not much yeah. Mary and the Saints at all in the Mass. Um, in many ways, it's like um, the common service in Lutheranism. The problem with the Mass is the canon of the Mass. Mm-hmm. Right, this is, um, Lord, accept the sacrifice of my hands for, mm-hmm. um, to the praise and glory of your name for our good and the good of all this church and the people, um, you know, um, uh, uh, and the priests then um, <clears throat> offering this unbloody living sacrifice to God. That's the problem. That's the part Luther took out, not all the rest. Where you will get Mary in the Mass <clears throat> will be in the canon of the Mass, where in a high Mass they're going to say this long list of saints. Mm-hmm. And it gets long sometimes, especially when you get like a priest who's trying to kind of show off, like he can say a bunch of names of saints or something. Um, or before or after the Mass, you'll have people saying the rosary. And so like at uh, Old St. Mary's today, after um, uh, apparently they have like a different like five-minute devotion after Mass each day of the week. Um, and so from what I saw, like Friday is the Sacred Heart. Today was Joseph. Um, one of the days is Mary. And there's this, well, that's after the Mass. 
You can go to a mass, and outside of the canon of the mass, you got three solid scripture lessons. You got to hear um, ancient songs of the church, behold, right, the Sanctus, the Agnus Dei. Straight from the Bible. <clears throat> Often, some solid prayers. Um, some for the dead, okay, you go, eh. Um, but, but some solid. Um, and so, right, we definitely ought to give thanks for that, because that's, that's where the true vitality in that church still rests, right, the... We should rejoice that people are hearing that even more. Um, we should want people to be hearing it where we are too. And maybe I can just tell a brief story and then I'm going to throw it back to you because you're on a roll and I, I, I'm digging it today. Um, but um, <clears throat> I, my dad came for uh, Nick had, well, I, I should stop saying my kids' names because people are going to stalk us or something. I'd say that's like a hypothetical thing. but. <clears throat> um, my oldest boy and my fourth kid, who's a girl, um, one had high school graduation, one had eighth grade graduation. And so my parents came. And <clears throat> my dad um, grew up Catholic. And I was raised Catholic because when my parents got married, um, for the Catholic Church to recognize the marriage, uh, my mom had to sign a paper to raise us Catholic. My mom had been raised Lutheran. I didn't even realize that till much later in life. Um, which is the irony of me finding my way mm -hmm. back into it. Um, so my mom's family wasn't going to go unless the mass or the wedding was in a Lutheran church. And my dad's family wasn't going to go unless a priest did the service. So they found a liberal Missouri Synod church. Um, <laughs> this would have been, shoot, seven X years maybe, um, or before. <clears throat> and um, so they get married there. But my dad grew up. He was like elementary school, middle school, when there was the move from the Latin Mass, and, and then you just had Vatican II, and then most of what happened after Vatican II isn't actually what Vatican II said should happen, but people just took it like as, now it's a free-for-all, and you get polka masses, you get, you know, nuns running around, you know, dressed like they're, I don't know, you know. It, um, you can Google some pretty weird processionals i'm a lutheran now michael yeah. but i still like my nuns dressed like nuns <laughs> you know and i had nuns in school and they wore habits and i i respect that <clears throat> um but i'm like uh you know let's go uh, saint stan's has a friday evening mass a latin mass so let's go to this i'd like to see if it's like what you remember right from when you were young um and uh and so we went and uh I mean, back in my mind, I was like, okay, I got to be careful. Dad's a Lutheran now. I don't want to lose him. <laughs> so, like, what if this, like, yeah. works some Triggers magic? Something. I mean, because there's a lot of Sanctus bells and stuff. Yeah. And what if one of those bells was just, like, Pavlov? And he's just, like, mm -hmm. you know, went in a trance. Mm -hmm. Then Genif started genuflecting. Yeah, next thing I know, he's, like, going to Lourdes or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I watched him closely, Captain <laughs> I. <clears throat> but um, we were talking after, and he said... You know, it's interesting what I think happened, because I was really picking his brain about, and like what did Grandma Johnston think about, you know, when these changes came through, whatever. And he said, part of what I think happened is everything became so much about outreach. And um, and here, too, keep in mind, like with Vatican II, there was a big push of like outreach to Protestants. Like if we make these changes... And other religions. Like yeah. one of the people who oversaw Vatican II, even um, <coughs> Bornini, something like that was his name was like, we need to remove anything that would be offensive to the Protestants. Um, and he said, I think, you know, 
it became so much about outreach or about, um, uh, you know, not an tuning anybody off. He's using ecumenical. Right. Yeah. That it, that they ended up losing a lot of the people. We would put it like this in Lutheranism, I think. It became so much about outreach that it stopped being about feeding the sheep. If this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um so everything became about we need milk to make new Christians and there wasn't solid food. <clears throat> and I, and this is another episode, and we've done these episodes, but we'll have to do it again. What is the Sunday service? And I'm big on the side of the Sunday service is about feeding the sheep. And that will make it better for outreach because I would rather someone comes and sees the fullest expression of our faith and gets the most robust confession and proclamation of it so that they can grow into it rather than water down. But uh, jump in on that yeah. in a second, but I'll just say, um, even my old man, who, um, and my dad is one of the most pious, faithful men I know, um, he's not going to quote you chapter or verse of the Bible. Um, he's not going to um, you know, know what the hypostatic union is or anything like that. Um, but I thought that was a very keen observation. And I think it holds true for Roman Catholicism and what happened with the move to the Norvis Ordo. And then the and I like the Norvis Ordo, but um, but it becoming a circus in many ways. And I think we'd be naive to say that we didn't, especially in the 90s, have a lot of that in Lutheranism too. But now I'm going to throw it back to yeah. you. You go wherever you want to go. Mike. Absolutely. I mean, there, there are a lot of things just directly taken from Vatican II that we, that we took over. And not necessarily bad, right? Like the color blue for Advent. I'm totally right. fine with that. Yeah. There was some good stuff too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we make a mistake when we assume that the the seeker, the skeptic, the atheist, the visitor, however you want to, whatever, <coughs> that they're idiots, mm-hmm. right? Um, I get that you, you need to be welcoming. I get that you need to explain things. I get that there, for the sake there may be some simplicity there. If they weren't being forced there by someone or they're being brought there by someone because they were too polite to say no. They want to see it. They're looking for they something meaningful. It. Yep. Yeah. It's like you're like, you go to the Louvre and they're like, the Mona Lisa is just too complicated. Let's get you started here. With- Let's get you started with this, this, uh, this sketch of the Mona Lisa that really isn't the full thing. You know, at some point you're kind of insulting people, hmm. right? And you wonder if there is no depth there, why... It's just in and out, in and out. And the larger culture is going to look at the church and is going to see it as a joke. And that's why I meant it's not just about liturgy and stuff like that. There there are things about we would be, I mean, all day critical of not just Roman Catholic doctrine like, you know, semi-Pelagianism, the sacramental system, that kind of stuff. Um, And even some of the, you know, what do you do with... Um, some of the stances that they've taken culturally on maybe sexual issues and stuff like that. But you cannot deny that they have not written and thought thoroughly about a lot of these things, ethical things, philosophical things or whatever, that there is a, there's something there, right? Um, And I'm not always sure that the Protestant world, they are some, but I'm not always sure that the Protestant world, especially of our era, has really been that thoughtful on those things, right? Or at least the pr- impression is that it's not. There are, I mean, there are some, you know, 
I mean, the Gospel Coalition is, is, is short kind of stuff, but they can be very thoughtful on some stuff, whether we agree with, disagree on, on a lot of things. There is some, I mean, our more, I mean, there's some, there's some heavyweights there. But I think the one of the outward things that we put off to the, to the, to the community is our worship. And if you think a, a flat, shallow entertainment type worship is going to cut it, I don't think so. So our, our, our grandparents and, and parents' generation would say, that's exactly right. We were putting off this old stodgy going through the motions. You're correct in that criticism. But if you, I mean, if you look at, just look at movies, cultural stuff, there still is, even today, there's still kind of a healthy respect of a church, mm-hmm. of confession, of a cathedral, of this beautiful architecture, of this stuff. I mean, it's not like you're, you don't see in movies, oh, and then, and then the person who was having this, you know, this, this moment of consciousness was sitting in the pew of the non-denominational stage church. No, they go to... Unless Kirk Cameron's in the movie. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to a place that looks like a church. There is still a respect of that, right? Well, and I would say with the culture too, when people expect, when a lot of people's views of Christians is what they get through the media or through social media from Christians themselves. Um, and, you know, and it says, here's these angry, you know, hate-filled, whatever people. There is no better remedy for that than one of them ends up in a church and they see the Western right done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing um, that counters that attitude of Christians being just a cultural block or haters um, or... Um, uh, um, iconoclasts than the Western Rite um, done well in a church that also strives to proclaim um, Christ um, and Him crucified for sin. And that's where the sermon is gonna is gonna can do a lot of damage or yep. can do a lot of good. Um, now the caveat the caveat of all of this is. There is a predictable outcome of a liturgical movement, whether it be uh, Cardinal Newman in, you know, a hundred and some years ago. Uh, Oxford movement. Oxford, uh, you know, you can see uh, uh, Lang and others in Lutheranism in the the 30s and 40s. Um, uh, More recent, maybe in our our close-knit Missouri, Wisconsin Synod, where you can get a guy that, uh, you know, kind of, let's just admit, shows off because he's got this, he's got this, this right worship and this whatever. And like owns it's not, the vestments before he's even ordained. It is. He's just itching to wear yeah. them. That's not pastoral. Mm-hmm. And. That's plain dress up. And the worship is often going to, I, I wouldn't say that this is. <coughs> true of every, every every situation but I'm willing to put money down that if you showed me a service and a sermon of 10 Lutheran people pastors and parishes that I could probably predict is that guy about his people and about being pastoral and about the gospel or is he being about being act as we would say when it comes to doctrine and everything else is just Roman Popery, 
or is he act about worship and can't even carry on a conversation with his people in the narthex and this is this is what i wish people got is the reason that we put pyramids right the reason that we adorn our altar um is because the altar um christ is served from there mm. right the gifts um the, the the chalice and um the host and the little cups um bring Christ to us, his body and blood. Um, and the same is true. That's why the pastor vests. That's why we adorn the pastor um, is because he brings Christ to us. He proclaims the good news. And uh, I think in Lutheranism, sometimes we're good about talking about that the vestments hide the man. And there's some truth to that. I appreciate that if the pastor's vested, I can't see a stupid Packers tie. Um, but at the same time, the vestments don't only hide the man. The vestments ought to remind us what the man is called to do. And just as the altar is there, not to be like the random place where you set things, um, not to be... Um, uh, just a nice furnishing. Um, the altar is there to give Christ. Um, the font is there to give Christ. So also we adorn, so to speak, the man, he vests, to give Christ. And that's really, um, pastors, those of you who do vest, um, next time you're, you're putting on your stoles, remember that they probably match the pyramids in the church. Um, and then remind yourself that, that you are putting that on for the same reason that we put the pyramids on the altar or on the font. And that is because you're putting them on um, to be a, a vessel, right? To be a mouth for God. Um, and that ought to drive you um, in, your, uh, in your preaching to remember what the task is for. If you think you are putting them on because you somehow have earned that because you got whatever credentials you know, you had ordination, or because you're the important person, you're the master of ceremonies, mm -hmm. then I I would rather have um, happy, clappy, whoop, whoopee worship with a pastor who takes his task seriously yeah. than um, it, it is, it's, it's, it's just the flip side. Um, Same problem. Of the mega church light show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, uh, and that being said, I like, I like vestments. And you know what? I like nice-looking vestments. Yeah. Uh, but um, sometimes people say, well, the church, why you know people put money into these things in the church, they should just give it to the poor. I saw an article about a tabernacle was stolen from a church yeah. in Brooklyn worth $2 million. People are like, oh, you know, why do they even have a tabernacle? The Catholic Church should be feeding the poor. Have you ever been in New York? Like, the Catholic Church runs all sorts right. of soup kitchens. Right. Right. And, like, that tabernacle's in a church that you can, like, just walk in and see this beautiful work of art. You know what would happen if they sold it? It's going to be like a, I don't know, um, Elon Musk owns this tabernacle that he shows his buddies, you know, on the weekends. Yeah, who's going to buy that? Yeah. It's not going to be the person who just <laughs> otherwise would never have access to this. Yeah. Now, that being said, I'm not saying we should have tabernacles right. in our churches. But um, but the point of adornment in the churches, um, the things that should be most adorned are the things that bring Christ. And maybe that would help be a good reminder that um, 
in many ways, the pastor is just a tool of the liturgy. Mm -hmm. The pastor doesn't stand above the liturgy, which is how we tend to view it, um, which is also why the pastor shouldn't just be rewriting things himself. The You're pastor is a part of the liturgy. He's a tool of it. He's an outgrowth of it. Um, the pastor is the microphone of it. Um, and, and that is really, I think, would help with our sermon prep, too, when we remember that, um, that, that this is not, all the other stuff is not just to, like, fill time before the, and after the sermon. The sermon is meant to complement all this other stuff. Yeah. It's a theological commentary on the readings. Yes. Um, I, yeah. So, so when someone says, Oh, those, those, those preachers, priests, whatever, they think about themselves when they wear their collar or their robes or vestments or whatever. I'm like, no, that's the exact opposite. But when those who wear those vestments play this game, they are um, fulfilling that, criticism from those who don't understand it I, I and get, you're hurting the cause yeah. i um so i took after i <clears throat> taught bible study sunday and then i went to my home church <clears throat> so that i could go to church with my family then i went to the bike shop which closed at two and i got a certain bike shop i like it's um down by the basilica lincoln village um in the park there is an interesting park there's um i like to ride my bike through but there's you're in the city. And um, so I still had my collar on in that. And I've been um, sometimes wearing the tab collar now because it's just more comfortable. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm standing on the corner because um, we got Nick a bike for college. That's what I, I like to do for each kid. Um, and he goes to test ride the first bike through the park. And he's, I mean, this is a big, you know, the, you know the park I'm talking <laughs> about across big park. In the roughly five minutes I was on that corner in a collar, I got approached by a tweaker, a prostitute, and a random Hispanic man that asked for a blessing. <laughs> you know who I... Now, I don't know that the tweaker made much sense, <laughs> but hopefully in some way it was a reminder of, of Christ <laughs> for her. And the prostitute seemed kind of just more amused by me standing on her <laughs> corner. Uh, I mean, she, I was there first. to be. <laughs> it was my corner. <laughs> like... I was sanctifying mm -hmm. that corner. It was Jesus' corner. But um, but the fact is, I either got a double take or I had contact with people because of that. I would dare anyone in their non-collared Sunday pastor attire Even to awesome, go stand there the awesome same. Awesome Christian t-shirt. Yep. Have the same outreach. And I was, Mike, I was doing this. What am I doing right now? Playing with your phone. I was trying not to stand out. Mm-hmm. I was doing like the whole like, oh, I'm doing something very important on that. Um, but that, that outfit. Mm -hmm. Still matters. And it did what I was trying to say with the vestments. I was not looking for contact. But it helped me to make, this dude was a Pentecostal. Yeah. But he must have come out of Catholicism, still respected the thing. So like this Pentecostal dude that probably thought he was getting a priest blessing yeah. ended up. Getting some Learning about Lutheranism. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and, and notice what hap happens there is they didn't see you. Mm -hmm. They saw the office. Right. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I'm just, you know, no offense, but if you were just sitting there. I wouldn't talk to me. None of those people are probably going to talk mm. to you. I wouldn't say would it looks shady, but I don't Or it would be a different conversation. Yeah. 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 And we, we've talked about this. I mean, this is, this is, this is not, it's not a hard concept. Right. Although sometimes people make it a hard concept. So I think the overall thrust of this episode was to say um, there's something out there with all those things that we call trappings. Wrongly so, right? The liturgy, the art, the architecture, the vestments, all those kinds of things. And I don't think if we, do, if we don't do them thoughtfully, um, you're going to lose some people, right? And, and that has been played out uh, in the past few decades as well. And even a movement of people <clears throat> going to denominations they know they disagree with. And since most denominations are just allowing whatever anyway, and if the sermon's going to be probably pretty crappy no matter what, um, you might as well go to a place where you know you're going to get something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a warning to us, I think, to do, do things thoughtfully and to do them well. I like that, Michael. Yeah. Took us a while to get to substance. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like you did very well on this I think episode. We did. I, I like think you did well. I think this was a very good episode for um, a summer day mm-hmm. outside of class. So I'm going to go ride my bike some more. Very good. I'm going to go back to that park. You are free to do so. So let the bird fly. Another round, another round, one more round won't get me down.